You can listen and subscribe to the SoPod Network on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcast platforms. Subscribe now to stay current on all episodes. In a time when our lives are very busy and often present many challenges and changes, some good and some not so good, we strive to be our best selves in all aspects of our lives. We often think of our physical health, which is important, but there are other facets of our total well-being. Southern Company promotes a total well-being approach, recognizing that all aspects of well-being are as important as physical health. Mental and emotional well-being is essential to overall health. Positive mental health allows people to realize their full potential, cope with the stresses of life, work productively, and live their best lives. Oftentimes, you, someone you know, or a coworker may be struggling with maintaining positive mental and emotional well-being. Jeff, a Southern Company employee, openly shares his journey of managing his emotional and mental well-being. Jeff is joined by Mary Stewart Neal, a licensed professional counselor. Together, they will discuss aspects of Jeff's journey and how we can acknowledge and support those around us. So I think for me, the biggest thing in sharing my story about depression and struggling with it for so many years is to help someone that might be in the same situation to prevent them from having to go through the things that I've gone through and to destigmatize depression and what it is. I know a lot of times people look at depression and it's sort of that hidden thing in the room. And I always joke around, there was an episode of Designing Women where they talk about we don't keep our crazies in the closet, we bring them right out in the front in the living room and and set them up with others. And so I sort of like to think of myself as the person that opens up that conversation and is happy to talk about depression and say, you know what, I look at it like uh, diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that nature. I've been on medication for basically 30 years for it and will probably be for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that. It's something that I realize now is something that I'm going to have to treat. And it is just like those other health aspects. So if I can help destigmatize depression, I think that would be a great. Hi, my name is Mary Stewart Neal. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in the Atlanta area where I have worked for 30 years working with children and adults. And I'm here with Jeff today to talk with you a bit about depression and the different types of depression and how um, we can treat it. I think from an early age, my mother realized that there was something going on. I don't know that she knew quite what it was. I think she realized that I, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also an introvert, if that makes sense. So I can talk to a signpost. Uh, my dad called me mouth of the South growing up. Uh, but at the same point in time, I could have periods of introspection where I would sort of want to be by myself uh, be in my own space, be in my own room. And as I got older, that developed into sleeping a lot. That was my sort of way to escape the world is to sleep a lot of the time and longer than most people would normally sleep, even for what the body needs for rest. There wasn't really anybody for me to talk to or to sort of look at who I was as opposed to what I was seeing reflected around me. And that led to bullying and being picked on in school. And so for the first 13 years of my life and trying to figure out who I was and and where I was going and what I was supposed to be doing, it was also not feeling, you know, adequate in the eyes of my peers. I think my mother sort of recognized these signs in my early adolescence, if you will, right before I was a teenager. And she decided, you know, we need to go talk to somebody. I don't think there's anything physically wrong 
that she could see. So let's go talk to someone about what's going on. So I remember going to see my first therapist, probably around the age of 12, 13, and talking to her and sort of explaining what I was feeling. And that started sort of the process. Jeff shares with us that his mother didn't know what was going on with him at an early age. And that's something that happens with a lot of parents because with children what we see and hear is different than what we see and hear from adults. Many times children will not know how to express that they're having these feelings of sadness or the reason why they're irritable or defiant is because they're struggling with some depression. Um, So parents typically will take their kids to the doctor to see if they can figure out what's going on. Children may be complaining of headaches, stomach aches, or just not feeling well in general. When the doctor comes back and says they found nothing going on physically with the child, it's a red flag for depression. And Jeff's mom did the right thing. She took him to a mental health professional to see if that's something that could be helpful to her son. And as you hear in his story, that was a process that was helpful as he went through his life. I saw my first therapist, and I did not see her for a long particular time period, but I went to several different therapists over the years, would stop going to therapy for a while, would think it was under control. Then I ended up moving from Alabama, where I was at, uh, to Georgia and starting a new school system. So I think that eased some of that self-worth and and depression because it allowed me to escape. I was an unknown. It was a new environment. It was new stimulus, if you will. So it allowed maybe a year or so of reprieve from that. And then as I got more settled and began to know people and my routine became more uh, sort of rote and, and mundane, those old patterns resurfaced. And so in high school, Uh, particularly in 11th grade, I started to really struggle again with depression and and the things that I was dealing with. And at that point, got back into therapy. Uh, For me, I would at times dwell on that. And I think that it would sort of cause me to sort of spiral into a dark hole trying to figure out what was going on. And then you add the daily pressures of just being a preteen and and just living is difficult. So I, I struggled with that. I think that OCD, at least for me, was an offshoot or certainly tied in with depression. Uh, And OCD, for those listening that might not understand or know what that is, it's obsessive compulsive behavior disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. And it manifests itself in in many different ways for many different people. Uh, For me, as I got older, I think I felt like I can't control external factors in my life. I can't control what my school children, school friends think of me. I can't necessarily control what my parents think of me, but I can control if the water faucet's on or if the toilet's running or if the doors are locked. And so the older I got and on through adolescence up into early adulthood, and I have moments now in my 40s where, especially if I become stressed, it resurfaces and, and becomes worse. And it being obsessive compulsive behaviors I have a pattern in which I have to check doors to make sure they're locked, make sure all the water's off, make sure toilets are running. And it was sort of my way of exerting control over the the external forces in the world that I felt like I could control. So if I could control that, then maybe it would help me control myself. You know, I got through college. I was doing good. You get out of college, you graduate. You sort of get that nine-to-five mundane job, and things start to get a little... Uh, you lose the benchmarks in life. You're not graduating anymore. The months and years sort of all run together. And 
So I think that started to happen for me. And I didn't really have an outlet. So I was going out with friends, drinking, having a good time. But there wasn't anything that I was really passionate about. So I very quickly started going down a spiral into a sort of a dark hole. As I was too chicken to kill myself. I never wanted to kill myself. But I sometimes didn't want to live. And I know that sounds contradictory. But I didn't. I wouldn't have killed myself. I would not have wanted someone else. I wouldn't have wanted to die in an accident or anything of that nature. But I also didn't know that I wanted to continue on with my life if I was going to feel like I was feeling at that particular moment for the rest of my life uh, because it's draining. And, you know, I tell people, you know, being depressed is draining. Like, so you're dealing with all this in, inner turmoil that a lot of people don't even know about. And then you have to go out and do your life and things. And it got to the point when my first job out of college where it was starting to affect work. It was starting to affect my personal life. It got to the point where I was living in an apartment at the time and my OCD had flared up and it, it was debilitating and it would take me 20, 30 minutes to get out of my apartment. I'd get in my car, drive down the street, have to turn around and go back to my apartment to recheck the locks and the doors to make sure everything was locked. There were times where I have a pattern if it would get broken for some reason I have to start the pattern over when I'm leaving in the morning to go to work and it got to the point where I would stand at the front door after locking the front door knowing full well that everything was off all the water was off but bursting into tears at some point because that internal mind speaking and controlling saying that I had to go back in and check it so my sort of intellectual part knew that it was completely ludicrous that I had to go in and do this but that emotional state sort of forced me to go back in and, and do this all over again. And, and that can affect you at work. That can affect you, you know, with your life. Certainly at work, if you're doing this and you're already on a tight schedule and then you have to spend 20 minutes going back and checking the door, it's locked 15,000 times before you leave, then you're late for work. And then you have to explain that to coworkers and that becomes embarrassing and uncomfortable. And there's sort of that stigma around mental health as it is. And so you'll get people to chuckle or laugh and say you know you uh you did what you stood outside and you know cried because you make sure the doors are locked and it sounds funny and it is ludicrous I can laugh about it now um, but at the time particularly in my early 20s it was it was pretty horrible it's true obsessive compulsive disorder does manifest in different people in different ways um, what we do know is that it's um, something that can be quite debilitating for individuals with uh, manifesting through obsessive thoughts, impulses, or images and compulsions. It's very difficult for individuals to suppress it, as Jeff shares, and it can take time and energy away from living a fulfilled life and impact a, a person's work life. Um, their family life and their social life. Some of the ways that we see OCD um, come out in symptoms is maybe something like obsessive hand washing or as Jeff tells us through, through his um, obsessions with locking the doors and having to turn around and, and come home and how it was making, makes him late for work sometimes and can really lead to some negative thinking and self-image problems for him as he tries to manage his life with these obsessive thoughts. So there's treatment out there for this and there's medication for OCD as well. And it's a mental health illness that um, 
people really can benefit from professional help. I think now as an adult in my mid-40s, I have come to a good place as far as managing my depression. I still get depressed. I still get despondent. I still get upset. Um, but I've learned better how to deal with that and realize, you know, some days are going to be good and some are bad. And that's just how it goes. All that being said, I've learned what works for me is I, I do therapy, but it's not intensive like it was. It used to be that it was once a week growing up and then it went to every two weeks and then there were times in my life where it was once a month now what I find is works really good for me is I do med management so I go in just to get my meds checked to make sure that my body is reacting and everything to the medication there haven't been any adverse side effects how does depression differ between adults and children because it does for adults, we have more expression of our feelings, and we're able to identify these changes in our lives and recognize more easily that we feel sad or depressed. As I've gotten older into my 40s now, you know, with depression, it used to be in my younger days, it would be a giant, huge black hole on the path in front of me, and I would fall into that hole and feel like there was no way out. And I know now, uh, learning how to deal with depression and recognizing the symptoms and when my OCD and all is flaring up or a depressive, a more depressed episode may be coming on, I can sort of flag that in my mind and realize, okay, I've fallen in this hole, but now I have a ladder to get out. I'm not going to be there forever. And I, I can figure out ways and, and realize, like, not in the past, this is the end. It was just, this too shall pass. Information given in this podcast is provided for recipients to gain a better understanding of health and well-being related topics and is not intended to provide specific medical advice. The Health and Well-Being Services staff, Georgia Power and Southern Company, recommends follow-up with a qualified healthcare provider for information related to individual health and well-being concerns. Southern Company employees have 24-7 access to confidential mental and emotional well-being counseling by calling the number on the back of their medical insurance card. If you're thinking about suicide, are worried about a friend or loved one, or would like emotional support, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States at 1-800-273-8255. Thank you for listening to the SoPod Network. To stay current on all episodes, remember to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts.